And you know, us sports moms have something to say. Yes, we do. We'll have a chance to interview across the board from athletes to the parents to the coaches to even the trainers. Yeah. And we're not afraid to share our journey. We're not afraid to tell other moms what we went through in order to raise up a student athlete. So I believe that it's inspirational. Yeah. We're able to tell our story, the good and the bad. Yeah. We can give back positive information. Absolutely. You know, we can empower them. Yeah, I think it's time for the mothers to be a voice. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Yes. It's time for us to, to let you know what's going on. What's up, everybody? This is your girl, Shannon, at Can We Talk Sports? And I am here with my host. What's up, everybody? It's Karen. That do better. <laughs> okay, so the question is, have you been practicing since I've been gone? No, I was just thinking, like, if I just come out my shell and just, like, go for it, you know, instead okay. of being all quiet and... You know, because I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm shy. So right. I've been kind of, yeah, I've been practicing. I've, okay. Yeah, thank you. Now you went all the way around the mulberry bush just to say <laughs> you've been practicing. You know what I'm saying? All right. You did good. You did good. I, I'm missing my host, Kawasaka. So hopefully she'll come. All right. Now I got to do it again. Ready? Are you ready, Kawasaka? Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, pause. Thank oh. you guys for joining. Can we no. talk show? Can we talk sports show? Yes. She didn't even hear what I said, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Go ahead. She did. Yes. Oh, oh, Shannon. Yes. Cool. Oh, I'm working. We're going to work on this, y'all. We're going to work on this. I, behind the scenes, we're going to practice. You got to come in it with it. You know what I'm saying? You got to be like, what's up, everybody? You know, you got to come with it. But anyway. All right. So I had a great birthday. Oh, yeah. yeah that's right. Happy birthday and anniversary. And the kids wouldn't stop calling my phone. Oh. <laughs> Mama, mama, oh, wait, what? <laughs> Do not call me unless it's a 911. Right. It's like, mama, no. <laughs> but it was good. It was good. That's good. Did you get a chance to rest? No. I just, you know, I hung out. I just, I don't know, just took time. Me and hubby took time. And, you know, it was our anniversary and my birthday. And then we come back and my baby, my little baby, my grandbaby turned one. So, oh, oh. so listen, her daddy went out and bought her the little Mercedes truck, right? So my daughter goes, um, I have a problem. Why is she getting a car before me? Right. <laughs> so she was real salty, right? Like, I'm 16 years old. Please go get your permit and driver license and come talk to me. So, yeah, at first she was like, mama, he's like, uh, you want to go half with me? On what? A Range Rover. Four hundred something dollars. Boy, got me twisted. Right. Mm, ain't nobody getting a Range before me. That's right. not going to happen. Even if it is a little bitty car. So you should see her. She had a ball. I tell you what. We had fun, though. That's good. And then Father's Day, we cooked out. So it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Now I'm ready to throw all these guys out the house. 
had a lot of things going on. Mm -hmm. I know it was busy. You know, it was it was good because we was able to celebrate the guys that are here. They're you know they're dads too. They have daughters, and even though they're here training and stuff, we was able to celebrate them. So it was pretty cool. Okay, but I'm about to throw them out the house tomorrow. <clears throat> about to throw them out tomorrow. Karen, can they come live with you? <laughs> um, hmm. It's just so far. I mean, show is quiet in this. <laughs> as, as my husband would say, show is quiet in this Presbyterian church. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, so what you got going on, Kwasika? Same old, same old story. <laughs> Oh, but you singing it though. Right, you singing it now. Right. <laughs> I still see you on there working and grinding. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I can't stop. I don't have no options, honey. I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going, guys. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you do. As a matter of fact, the group, the guys that um the young guys that come over and train with Jordan, we were talking about that this week. Word of the week is core. Because I told him, I said, you know what? You've got to get to the core of who you are. That's where your strength, that's where God has placed some things on the inside of you. So when you can get to the core of who you are, you'll discover so much. So it's like, that's the word of the week. It's like, okay, when you're tired, when you feel like you want to give up, just go within and get to the core of who you are and pull it out. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of the word of the week. And I, listen, I'm so trying to pull because I'm so tired, y'all. I'm like, Jesus, where is it at? <laughs> well, that's your core. Pull from the core. Mm -mm, I'm too tired to pull. <laughs> so yeah, I get you some of the I'm drinking it. I'm drinking it. But I got some exciting news. So my baby Jaden made athlete of the week at her PC. What? Oh, at her what? PC. Do you know they have the PC during the week performance conditioning? That the oh, okay. okay, okay. Oh. She made athlete of the week. They put her on the um their website, and then she had a tournament this weekend. So it was she missed the baby's birthday party? Oh. Chick was killing the game. Three games. They was whooping them, thirty-seven to eight. There they go. That three. Really? Three. She had three games. Came. Coach called me. He said, "Listen, she played her butt off. She been. Wow. She been ready. She's she trying to. She has to because I told her she need to get that scholarship. Right." Tell the Lord, thank you. Okay, see, I'm going to have the guest, our guest, going to talk about the mental mind that you just put on your child mm -hmm. about getting a scholarship. So we're going to let him talk about it. Okay, this. let's wait, 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 wait before you bring him on. Hold up, hold up. I got this. Wait a minute now. Hold up. Do you know how much, do you know how much it is to go to college right now? I imagine the price is really high right now. I needed to get the scholarship. I didn't say she got to go professional. No, what, what, I didn't say she got to be professional. I just needed to get the scholarship. Okay. And I need the twins to get one too. See, I need all the kids to get scholarships. We good. Yeah. I ain't got to pay for nothing. They go okay. get it. And, and listen, ain't none of them doctors that's about to come on the show going to say, because I'm going to tell all three of them too. Listen. Three, the number three. Then y'all must go write the scholarship check. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Let me stop. They're probably back there cracking up laughing at me. All right. So we have a great show today. We have two, actually, three doctors. Three. three. We'll give my doctors. Coming to the show, we are going to talk about COVID, sports, mental state of mind. I've got a lot of questions about that because I've seen so much during this um, 
sit, you know, during the COVID and, and just sitting down with the young men that are here at the house living with us right now and just asking questions and how they are dealing with the possibility of, of not playing in the NFL this season. Um, and so they're trying to mentally figure out what they're going to do with their lives and stuff. So we will be right back after this with our guests. Hey, welcome to the show. How hey, are you? All right. We got Dr. Kino. We have Brad and Dr. Emmett at the show. Yes. All right. Yes. So now before we go forward, we got to play this game called Would You Rather? Mm, if y'all right. can't answer the question, I'm going to have to write a prescription for y'all because listen, <laughs> you, better get, you better get it right, right? Right. All yeah. right. All right. I need I need my I need my show. Um Oh, okay, here, oh, here we go. All right, here we go. Would you rather drive a 1967 convertible Impala with hydraulics Ooh. or a 2020 Lamborghini? The Impala. <laughs> Sure. All right, Brad, where, where, where you at? Give me the Lambo all day. Oh, you and my husband will get along. Oh, my uh, God. I'm going to take the help. Did you say the Lambo? All day. <sighs> okay. All right, Co Coach Keen, um, Dr. Kino, what you got? Yep, all day. Six, seven, yep. All right. See, we got two. See, two old schools in the house. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> all right, Karen, what's your question? Okay. Would you rather... Fart really loud <laughs> to poop silently in your pants. <laughs> I'm not responsible for the question that came out of my host's mouth. Please do not hold me responsible. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Can you, can you repeat that? <laughs> hey, just take this. I plead a fifth. Just take the fifth. Would I'm trying to poop really loud. Fart really loud. Yeah. And poop silently in your pants. Did you say poop? Yeah. What? Okay. Let me let give me, me the out loud. Give me the. Hey, out give, loud. give me the out loud. Would you oh, rather yeah, fart yeah. really loud yeah, or yeah. poop silently oh, God, in no. your pants? Oh no no no! Fart. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's your host. Yeah. That's your host. Yeah. I'm, all right, I'll let it all right. Work. Here's my question. <laughs> Would you rather sing like R. Kelly or Luther Vandross? Ah, y'all missed it from last week. Ah, sing like Luther. If we choose R. Kelly, we just just the singing part. <laughs> yeah. We going right after just the singing. We going to sing. Just the singing. Big Luther, Big Luther, or oh, Slimmer. Slimmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh which one? Which one? Big. What you say? Big Luther or Slimmer for one night? I'm going with Luther. Big Luther. 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 If we only got only for one night, night over here. Give me, got give, me, give me Luther. Give me Luther. Okay, we got Luther. Emma, did you say R. Kelly? Yep. I'm the chocolate factory. I'm sorry. <laughs> we know factory. what you're about. No. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The silent poop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get on with the question. 
Oh my God. All right, Karen, come on with the first question. Yeah, yeah. Well, my first question um, is tell us about your group, uh, Black Male Athlete. What is that? Uh, how did you guys get together? And uh, yeah, give us insight about that. Dr. Gill, you want that? No, man. Go ahead. Hit it. <laughs> um, I'll give the brief. Um, you know, when COVID happened, um, we had a lot of athletes. We were trying to figure out how we're best going to support them. And so when I said a lot of athletes, um, between image group, uh, the Alliance for Social Workers and Sport, um, and my group, Big Sky group, working with uh, student athletes, um, we were trying to figure out how we we're going to support these um, individuals uh, while they were at home. Um, and Emmy convened a call and asked, you know, hey, I'm thinking about putting out, putting together a group for black men. And that's an area of uh, emphasis, focus, uh, passion for me and has been for a number of years. And so I was on it, you know, and I remember Brad saying, yeah, yeah, we're, we're interested in that. And so as best I can recollect, that's how it began, uh, just in the call from uh, Dr. Gill. Okay. So all three of you guys have your, your doctors. Can you tell us what fields you're in? I have my PhD in counseling psychology with a minor in sports psychology. Okay. Um, so I graduated uh, from the University of Indiana with my PhD in counseling psychology. Okay. Brad? Um, I'm Currently, I'm a life professor counselor, but I am in school. Um, I'll be done in about a year getting my doctorate of education in sports and performance psychology. Okay. And uh, my terminal degree is in social work uh, for the University of Maryland. And my uh, master's degree is in social work from HU, the real HU, Howard University. Okay. Okay. Well, let's let's kind of jump right in. Um, mm -hmm. During the COVID, and I've, I'm really big on this because I do have um, one, two, three, four, five athletes here at the house, males, um, three of which three did go to the NFL. Um, and then two is, is transitioning from um, a knee injury to baseball. And then I have one that's in college on his actually coming here on his way. So um, me and my husband kind of opened our home up to they like coming here training because our my son, Jordan, um, does a lot of training. So they like to come and train. And cool. and I know they shared that their environment was not all that good to go back home to right now. During this during the COVID situation, what have you seen with these athletes mentally? Because I we always talk about the plan B and not being prepared and the possibility of not playing again. And I think for some athletes, it's the reality of that is kind of hard to swallow. You know, it's like, what do I do? I mean, I never had a plan B. And so mentally, what have you seen um, during this time with athletes? Anyone wanna? Uh, I, jump, I jump in. Um... You know, I, I currently work as the clinical counselor at University of Georgia. I'm one or two, and there's a lot of angst. There's a, a lot of worry, a lot of concern um, about, you know, sports not happening. Like you said, there's a lot of, you know, that's plan A, B, and C. You know, you get you get to this level of athletics, you know, the next step is professional rank. So if that's taken away, the training is taken away, you know, what's next, what's next? So just trying to, you know, develop a plan B, you know, let's look at, let's look at 
additional options because we, we there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, and still, as they transition back in, there's still a lot of uncertainty going on. So I want to make sure that I can assist and, you know, give these kids the tools that they need to, you know, so survive outside the sports realm um, because that, that, that is all a lot of them have to get out, you know, and as you, as you stated, bringing up the home environments, you know, everybody is, isn't in the best home situation. So, you know, they get back here on campus, you know, they have, they have food, they have shelter, um, they have things they might not be able to get at home. So um, having that sense of security here on campus is a, is a, it means the world to a lot of them. So, you know, just struggling with that has, uh, has been, has been a big, big issue. Anybody else? Yeah, I will, I will pick, piggyback off of what Brad's saying. I mean, you know, in this time of COVID, we had a lot of time on our hands, you know? So like, it's sort of like, what do I do at this time? So, you know, on the one hand, you have student athletes and professional athletes who have time to reflect on, you know, a lot of good things, but at the same time, there's a lot of trauma that they have to deal with. There's a lot of, you know, adversity they have to deal with, whether it's at home, you know, whether it's within their sports team, you know, because real talk, whether mm. it's college or pro sports, you know, mm. some of these athletes don't have good relationships with the athletic department or the sports organization, you know, and so they have an opportunity to reflect on that. And so that's on the negative end of things, but on the positive end of things, you know, I really think it's provided an opportunity for opportunity for our athletes to pursue other identities. You know, some are able to connect with family, take care of family, mm -hmm. um, take care of children, um, rekindle relationships with significant others. So I think there's a broad, broad spectrum of issues. And so, you know, much like myself, you know, sort of going through COVID, there were great days, you know, and there were not so great days. Right. And so dealing with those adjustments and being able to understand that, you know what, today I'm not okay, but tomorrow, you know, and, 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 and next day and the next day I am okay. You right. know, hopefully it will provide our athletes with some resiliency skills. Yeah. Okay. So do you feel that maybe the coaches never really prepared them for something like this? Do you feel like, you know, they could, we could have, whether it's as parents, mm -hmm. because um, whether it's coaches, teachers, that we could have prepared these athletes for something like this. Do you, do you understand the question? It's, in other words, yeah. it's kind of like when they're in high school, did we, should we have sat down and said, hey, let's talk about a plan in case something ever happens. Yeah. You know, let's just say sports don't, a lockout happens or something goes crazy. Had, did we, we should have prepared them for something like this, would you say? Uh, let me jump in. Um, I think, honestly, you, there was no real way to prepare for something like this. And what I've explained to um, my children uh, is we've never experienced anything like this. Um, and in my role, I work at Tulane. Um, and so I work with retired NFL guys. Um, and in my capacity, I work with professional guys. I've worked with guys in college. And so I'm working with all three right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so in terms of preparation, um, you have those who are already transitioned out of sport mm -hmm. and it's more re-traumatizing re um, because it's like I thought I had a plan and now this level of uncertainty, um, I can't even come to the hospital for my visits. I can't even come and see you guys for my visit, which I planned four months in advance. And so for those who are trying to move forward with their life, it just 
gave a different barrier, you know, an unexpected barrier. For athletes, for example, I'm at a, a track and field athlete who was stressed because she thought she had lost a year. Um, and thankfully she got that year back, but in the transition, she said, you know, do I really want to come back to this institution? And wow. that's not the only particular, that's not the only athlete who made a decision to um, transfer or figure out, you know, hey, when I do this again, it's like an ultimate reset. When I do right. this again, when I come back into my season, what's going to be healthy for me? So it's more of a reassessment of their own health and well-being. And what I've worked with um, individuals, male and female, but particularly with my African-American males, I've had to be able to talk to them about not only resiliency, but also having uh, the ability to kind of frame this out. You got an extra few months. And what right. I know is you better be ready come August. And it's always that mindset of, no, I don't, you don't have time to kick it. You need right. to be preparing, preparing. You know, April, May, June, camp is coming. And so if you want to get a starting position, and what I told guys very specifically, if you expect to compete for a position, you got to stop smoking. And so being back home kind of opened the door for some of those old behaviors. Those behaviors. Yeah, those yeah. old habits. Yeah. Right. Right. Go ahead, Karen. You got one? Yeah. I have on a shirt that says, act on your dreams. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for most of these kids, that's what they've been uh, training for. And now you have COVID-19. So how do, what do you tell them uh, as far as mentally how to deal with life? You know, my son didn't work until he was like, 12th grade because he was actively in sports. So now he had to even learn how to get a job. So how do you tell these athletes, you know, okay, put that, I know you got that dream, but here's some life things that you need to be working on. You need a job. As mm -hmm. far as a mom, we're saying you need a job. Mm -hmm. So how do we tell them, how do we mentally help them with that, that process until they can't go back to acting on their dream? I would say it's time to grow up. You know, if you have a 14, 15, 16 year old, um, I've got a 14 and a 12 year old, it's time to grow up. Um, you have to be able to take adversity and make something out of it. Right. And I know that's very hard. And I recognize that, you know, I may have lost season and I, I can't go back to this college. But the bottom line is what we take away from this is as an adult, you're going to lose a job. Uh, you know, as a parent, you're going to have some loss. Um, right. And so with more responsibility is going to come heartbreak. And so you use it as a teachable moment, but at the same time, in my experience and working with these folks and even with these guys in our group, we talk about the human aspects of, yeah, I'm an athlete, but I'm also a man. And mm -hmm. so what does it feel like to have loss? And what does mm -hmm. it feel like to know you have somebody to rely on? So mm -hmm. even in that moment, you've got a house, Shannon, you've got a house full of brothers who are relying on each other <sighs> to kind of pick each other up. That's right. You know, they're eating out of house and home, but it is that level of comfort and connection that that's what they're hoping to reestablish. Mm -hmm. That's what they didn't get in spring ball, you know. Yeah. And so that 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 level of connection that's critical and, and vital. As long as you are trying to recreate that, like what we've tried to do in this group, then you have a hope. But yeah. that's just part of the challenges, adversity that come with being an adult. Yeah. Anybody else? Well, I also think, you know, and and it goes back you know, to the to the earlier question with regard to how do you prepare? I mean, you know, real talk, we're not done with COVID possibly. Nope. You know, we could see a second round of this. Mm. You know, so 
you know, this is also an opportunity to say, you know what, we're not quite out of this. So as, as Keno mentioned, you know, it's a great time to practice some skills. It's time to get a job. You know, it's time to, to do some of these things. Um, you know, and for real, with some of our athletes, because they do have their eyes on the prize, sometimes with other things in life, it's just all about tough love. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got a I got a 12th grader here. He's in the same situation. You know, he hasn't worked much because he's always been involved in athletics. He's top notch academics, you know, but in a couple of days, I'm going to tell him, go find a job and don't come back till you got one. <laughs> for real. Wow. And, you know, and if it's 10 p.m., you can come back, you can go to sleep, but you're going to get up at 8 p.m. Because there's some jobs out there. They ain't going to come knocking at the door. What's my man, right. the comedian, that said, ain't no job going to come knocking at the door. Knock, knock, knock. Who this is? Job. That ain't happening. Robin Harris. <laughs> he say knock, knock, knock. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Robin <laughs> Harris. Oh, That's right. I agree. So. With the young men here, which which I love about it, so I have a my business is Evolve Sports, and I started Fit Three Sixty um, for my son. Physical, I mean, uh, he does agility training, and so um, we opened our home because, like I said, they they felt like you know what if I go home, I'm not going to train. It's not a good environment. So we've let them stay here, but I told him I said you got to be training, and you have to do something. And so what they did is they've come together with Evolve. And they started, they're working together with Fit360. And so they've got five high school kids that they do agility training with. They turn my garage, Jesus help, <laughs> into a weight room, you know, and I love it. We post about it all the time. They're training the guys, they're imparting in them. So it's kind of like mentally they're, they're still in the game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they work out 6 a.m. in the morning. They go train. Mm -hmm. They run their routes. They come back. They train the kids. And I told them, I said, this is that transition from in case you don't do sports right now. Mm -hmm. This is a smooth transition for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, and I've always prepared them like that. But in our conversations, I realized there's a lot of hurt. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of pain, whether it's dealing with women. Um, they all have children. <clears throat> Um, and so I realized during the COVID, all that came running in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because, you know, when you're out on the field, you ain't thinking about it. Mm -hmm. She tripping about the baby. You, you're not thinking, but mm -hmm. when you sit down, it just, it was like a flood. It just says whoosh. And then you started to see the mental, you know, ups and downs. And we had heart to hearts about it. You know, we pray about it. We talk about it, but me and Karen were talking. That's, we call that like their their life support, right? But mm -hmm. a lot of athletes don't have that right, right now. Right. And a lot of them are dealing with the baby mama drama, you know, at home, no one supporting them and, and encouraging them to, you know, keep going. So mm -hmm. how do we, how do we really help them? If let's say this season does not, they can't play, mm -hmm. whether it's NFL college, how do we, what can we do to be a life support to these guys? And even the females, because it's not just the guys. Right. You even got the females, you know, that may not go back to sports. So how do we help them? I mean, now, um, you know, in real talk, I don't know about the other guys, but I've been through baby mama drama. Matter of fact, I still go through it. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'll go pick up my little man in New Jersey on, on Saturday. And, um, you know, I think it's all about game plan. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like uh, my man Trevor Ariza um, in the NBA. You know, he decided that he wasn't going to go play in Orlando because he wants to spend that month with his kids. So the thing that 
that I'll really be doing if, if I were a college athlete or a pro athlete. You know, first of all, I'd be reaching out to have somebody to speak with. You know, I would probably look for accountability group. You know, sisters, I, I, I feel your love and I feel your passion to, to raise men. You know, but in my opinion, you know, black men are the best equipped to raise a black man. And I needed an accountability group. You know, I needed a faith community because I needed a, I needed a playbook and that's the Bible. And then I needed some people who were going to hold me accountable and show me how it's done. And so I think that's something. And then the game plan. It's like if I know this season is happening, you know, real talk, you know, all those little forms, them little court forms, they right there online. Go learn about them. You don't need no attorney. Go learn about them. You can show up. We're doing everything telehealth now. They're doing the same thing in the courts. I mean, do something. That's right. Do something. You know, don't stand still with regard to this time. And I think doing something, you know, whether it's calls, whether it's Zooms, you know, whether it's actually, you know, sometimes you got to humble yourself with your baby mom and just take it. Yeah. You know, just to be close to your little man or your daughter. So those are some things that I'll recommend. But I want to go back right quick because I don't want to dominate the brother's time. And I, I want to just talk about one thing. You know, if I were working with high school athletes now and I was a college athlete, in particular, a freshman or a sophomore, I would be working on my name, image and likeness. Because yeah. yeah. at the end of next summer, college athletes are going to be able to use their name, image and likeness. That's it's right. probably going to flow down to high school athletics. I'll be cleaning up my social media accounts. Yep. I'll be yep. looking around my community saying, you know what? Who might think about signing me? Hey, I don't care if y'all going to give me $100 and some free fish dinners. I'm signing with y'all. Mm -hmm. And start right. to look for those opportunities because that's real. That's right. I mean, the reality is, is they're estimating that some college athletes are going to make up to $500,000 a year. Yeah. But wow. the only challenge is, is when they speak about those athletes, those are the white males and the white females. Right. Mm. And the white females are leading the way. That's right. So our brothers got to go out and they got to clean out their social, they got to clean up their social media accounts. They have to figure out some other identities. So I might be out saying, you know what? I'm going to clean up my identity as a father. That's right. Therefore, I can go out and do some of those endorsements. Yeah. It's all got to be this holistic, connected approach. And I'm going to be quiet because I, I tend to I soapbox. I, I <laughs> no, I agree with you on that. I'm big yeah. on that. I, yeah. I will go yeah. on their social media in a minute. What's this? What's, you better take that off of there. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. And you're right. You have to you, you have to clean it up. And and as far as men, I that's why I love my husband's because he kind of he takes that side with these guys. He's tough on them. You know what I'm saying? He's he's been through a lot and he tells them the truth. He don't sugarcoat. He tells them you better stand up, be a man, take care of your child. He he walks them through the steps. He's it's even though they're here, they have a chore. You know, and they were like, you know, and they were 25, you know, three of them was 25. My husband's like, no, I'm teaching you something. You know what I'm saying? So one, you got a dish on one day, dishes on one day, you got dishes on the next day, you got trash yeah. on that day. So it's it's like you're not gonna live somewhere just for free. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? You're oh, gonna absolutely. do something. Even if you live with your girl, you're gonna do something. Yeah. So yeah. I can <laughs> learn to cook. <laughs> yep. No, but I think that's interesting and, and, and simply put go get a job. <laughs> you know, this is a moment for responsibilities. Um and I think uh you had the coach on um talking about recruiting, and I think that's critical to talk more about, you know, what these young people, men, grown men 
could and should be doing with this time. I mean, in the NFL, I mean, the season is over for a lot of guys in December. Um, they don't go into camp until July. So some of those individuals are used to how to treat their body and their mind during that process. But to the question, I think getting these young men and young people um, and young women connected with mental health providers, mental health communities, um, because some of this uncertainty, some of this uh, interpersonal conflict, um, some of that is there's the expertise out there with licensed marriage and family counseling. Um, there's EAP benefits people rarely use. Um, and so some of these things you can access um, and begin to work on rebuilding or reestablishing positive relationship with your, your family members. Okay. Karen, you got a question? <clears throat> yeah. Um, one of the things that we always talk about on the show is uh, sports being our kids' identity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's all. My husband was a coach, and that's that's all he I did for my many kids. Introduce sports. I never showed him anything else. I didn't create a balance. And so right now, he you know took time to even once he left sports, he had to figure out who he was. So that's one of my pet peeves as far as going back to parents and say, hey, create a balance for your kids. Find out something else. Uh, they like to do, but from the mental part of that, um, as far as these kids and sports being their only identity, how can we as parents help them to um, adjust to figure out who they are other than sports? I think it's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. So being able to get you know, your kids in front of different things, you know, it, for, for us as young black men, it was basketball, it was football, you know, maybe but might have played, you know, soccer when you were really little or baseball, but that was all, that was all we knew. That's what we played in the neighborhood. Um, so as, as, as we got older, you know, my mom, my mom raised all, you know, me and my siblings, but yeah. she had us involved in different things, um, you know, music lessons, you know, things of that nature, you know, things that, you know, we probably wouldn't have seen on the on the on the regular at school or whatever. Um, but just being involved in different clubs, uh, just more culture the better. Because if you don't see it, it's not it's not familiar to you. So just being very intentional with getting out in front of different things. Because um, because you might say about like, oh, we don't like that, but you don't know if you don't like it if you've never seen it, never been involved, never been involved in, in it. it. So yeah. just having access to different things. Yeah. Yeah, I and think I, that's important. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I want to echo that. Um, like with my 14 and 12 year old, I've, I've been trying to push lacrosse on them for years. Um, but I'm I'm trying to expose them to other things. So my son will tell me I want to be a football player. I'm like, okay, what's your second career? So you can train right. for your second career at the same time you're training right. for your football career. You're going to translate the things you learn in football, the discipline over into another career. So I don't want to hear that. So thankfully he's thinking about something in medicine. And, but I'm always challenging. So for parents, um, it's about challenging your kids early, um, mm -hmm. how to expand and explore the scope of their identity beyond just the playing field. I'm a big, big, big proponent of study abroad. Um, and so with student athletes, you know, I remember interviewing more than a couple of jobs and I'm like, what are the opportunities for student abroad for these African-American or black athletes. And right. they're like, tell me more about what you mean. Well, I think it's very important for them to do study abroad as well as community service or community-based learning. 
And so those type of opportunities can start before they go to college. You know, even right. if you can't leave uh, you know, the country, you can take them out into the country and show them, you know, mm-hmm. agrarian lifestyle. You can take them out of Oak Cliff. I mean, I was in Oak Cliff. I didn't leave, wow, until, you know, we drove to Huntsville and spent a summer, you know, on a, a Fort Benning Army base. But oh, that wow. level of exposure gave me something different than just running around with football in my brain, you know, I mean, my mind. You know? So yeah. exposure early and often. I, I, and I'll tell you the last thing I want to piggyback off of but something that Brad said, you know, spending time with family and moms, you know, you have a great opportunity to reflect on what you loved and you were passionate about when you were a kid, you know, things that you don't remember, you know, mm-hmm. things that you drew, you know, just, just things that you talked about. And so, you know, in terms of things that both parents can do, you know, moms just sitting down talking about their kids and what they used to do before they were engrossed in sports. Mm-hmm. And that might rekindle you know, the fire with regard to some of those things that they might really learn about itself. Some of the things that I enjoy the most, you know, is is watching my wife when she's talking with the boys and sort of reflecting on things they used to do when they were little. Yeah. And I enjoy conversations with my mom when I go home just to just to learn about not just myself, but what some of my elders were mm-hmm. good at, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I think those conversations can also help, you know, with our with our identity development. Yeah, it's very important. You know, we were laughing when uh, our granddaughter got she uh, her birthday gift, the Mercedes truck. We were all sitting around laughing. And I was like, Joker, I used to ride a big wheel. Like, what? You don't know nothing about no big wheel. You know what I'm saying? You be riding. You know how you hit that brake. You skirt around the corner. And they start cracking up laughing, right? I was like, Mercedes truck, man, you need to get that girl a big wheel. That's what we do. You know, we talked about like tetherball. You get that pole and you put it in that, um, the container, put the cement, take that ball out there and you play that Mm -hmm. tetherball in the street, you know, and even during the COVID, we went out there, we play four square. So it's, you're right. There's things that we, you know, we tell them like, this is what we used to do. But in that, during this time, before the COVID happened, the reason why I started Evolve Sports is because I wanted to give I wanted to build a company that all five of the children can run together mm-hmm. um, because I knew sports was not going to last forever. And I told them, you know, they all, Jordan got his degree from OU. Um, Julian was in college, Jaden and Christopher and Christian are in high, um, high school and junior high. Mm-hmm. But I told him, I said, even though you're in junior high, you still can run a part of the company. You know, you're good in math. You know, I, I told my daughter, you love math, study accountant, you know, no. Okay, so on here. Here. <laughs> I see that hand over there in the corner. What's going on here? Oh my God, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna go down this way. But anyway, so um, you know, and I even told you know Jordan, I said, hey, listen, he wants to do um, get certified as a trainer, um, get into physical therapy. I said, so after sports, you can still run a company and make it as big as you want. You know, I thought that I that was very important to me because I knew sports was not going to be forever. And I've always taught them, um, take the money, save and invest in yourself. You're not going to go jump up and buy no bins. You're not going to go jump up and buy no big house. Mm. You're going to learn to invest. You're going to understand because look at this situation because I was looking on the news and they had an NBA player did an interview and he said 150 NBA players were living payday to payday during COVID. And I was like, my mouth just dropped. Mm -hmm. And he even says some of them are struggling because they didn't 
they didn't know how to balance their money right. They're paying for other people's rent, other people's cars. And then this situation happened and they're stuck. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the financial side of this, especially as African-American men. For some reason, they just they see that check and it's like, I'm going to get the biggest car, the biggest house, the biggest bling. Why is that? Nobody in title. Well, you all talked about the identity piece. And one of the challenges, um, I don't know who it was. I think it, it may have been Dave Chappelle. He just kind of talked. No, no. It was on um, uh, Black AF when he was talking about the gold chain. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how the socialization was, the gold chain meant status. So my dissertation is the reemergence of Black masculinity through sport. And so if you can really think about this from the perspective of through sport, we get the woman, the car, the big piece of chicken and everything else we need and everything we want. Right. So what we're socialized is I'm supposed to have this and this is what I'm supposed to do. So you can imagine the parent, unlike you all, who says, oh, baby, uh, you got one hundred thousand dollars. I need this. And if you can imagine athletes like we'll just say Michael Irvin, something from Dallas who had, I'm not mistaken, 14 brothers and sisters and, and his parents. And so for athletes like that, yeah, you're going to contribute broadly. Wow. So when we're socialized in such a way, um, and then we don't really understand, oh, this is a book I'm sitting right here on my desk. We don't really understand the power of the community and have to give back, right? So there it is power, money, and sex, the things we don't really understand mm -hmm. that come with that position that you're in. I'm giving right. it to my son. It's one of the greatest books I ever wrote, read. So that that's just how we're socializing the communities that we come into, uh, that we're raised from, and some of those values just aren't chiseled in, aren't etched in. You know, I'll leave it at that. Anybody else? I would say I'm in a lot of these positions, you know, you get so used to not having anything, you know, you grow, growing up, you know, and you have the bare minimum, and sometimes less than that. And then all of a sudden, you can get anything you want. You know, you you can get you can get mom, you know, that the car, the the house, mm -hmm. and you know, you get yourself anything you want. You know, and there's there's just there's no no restrictions, no whole bars. You know, and they have yeah, it. it is. They don't know the budget side of it. Um, they don't know that half of that is going to the government. You know, they 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 they, they don't understand that part of it. And I, I've been, I've been in my position for two years, and I I spent a lot of my time talking about that. Like, you know, if you had a million dollars right now, what would you do with it? Oh man, I would go buy. No, you know, do you know anything about investing? You know. Mm -hmm. Nah, not really. Yeah. You know, and, and th those those are the kind of conversations I try to have, like real conversations, man. Because th this is supposed to, you know, you're getting ready to make what's supposed to be generational wealth, mm -hmm. and the majority of pro athletes they go broke. They go yeah. broke. They yeah. go broke. You know what I'm talking about? Within five years after they finish playing. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's so amazing. When my son signed to Kansas, and uh, I, I work with his agent, so I manage him, and then he has an agent, and. Um, he said, Mama, he was in Kansas. He's Mama, I need a car. I was like, all right. So I went to Mitsubishi 
So at the Mitsubishi dealership, they had like all the luxury cars on one side and the Mitsubishi's on the other. <laughs> so when I walk in and I tell them who I am and I have the contract, they take me to the luxury side. I said, uh, no, you're not. You going over to this Mitsubishi side. And he looks at me and I said, go ahead, get that outlander. I said, go and black the tires, black the windows. He's going to be all right. And so he pulls me outside and he's African-American. He goes, I wish you would talk to more mothers. And I said, why? And he said, do you know how many athletes come in here? The ink's not dry on the contract. Yeah. And they will yeah. go get a Hellcat, a $100,000 car. and by time we finish, it's like their notes are a thousand dollars a month, and the next thing you know, they can't afford it because they got released. They didn't even play the full season. And I said, No, I said, We're gonna go over here because if he gets released, he still can at least afford his car note. And I said, He'll be all right, it's gonna be cute, you know what I'm saying? He'll 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 have a little swag, we'll tint the windows extra dark, black out the eyes, and he just started laughing. He said, Agents will call and get these cars for these guys. And I'm like, you're not gonna put my son in debt like that. Yeah. And it's amazing because he's a free agent. So he didn't go first round. He didn't get no sign and bonus. They saw the contract. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people that is a dangerous piece of paper if you don't know how to use it because they saw the contract and the numbers mm -hmm. and they're like, what do you want? I mean, literally they were getting ready. Why I could have walked off with a G wagon, a Range Rover, you name it. Just from that piece of paper. Mm -hmm. so and you it, said it, a G wagon. Like, I could have. Like what color? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, this is crazy. And I realized. So I have a question. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a question. So with the contract, that's not real money, right? So they're not. They're, all of them are guaranteed. It's not money. It's not guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, it's so why NFL. Would, why yeah. Would a lot with not no money guaranteed. I'm I'm just trying to understand that part. Because they look at what they what they look at is it's a job. He signed it. It shows six figures. They don't. They're not. They don't care if you're gonna get released tomorrow. They don't care if yeah. you're gonna get released in an hour. They just say contract six figures. Here's your car. Yeah. They will fight for you, push through the bank, everything. And he's in Kansas, right? And and they're like, we'll do everything through you. They faxed, no, they overnighted the paperwork to Kansas for him to sign. He overnighted them back. And during that time, they handed me the keys to the car. Mm. Mm -hmm. Just like yeah. that. And I was like, this is this. Yeah. So in the, in the hands of the wrong person, Let's be realistic because you have moms mm -hmm. who put, I call it the backpack on their son. Mm -hmm. And they're like, at the young age, you know, I always say little Johnny can throw. So all mm -hmm. of a sudden they're like, all right, little Johnny, you going to go play football, be a quarterback and buy me a house. And so little Johnny grows up, you know, trying to, to please and be that person that mama said you're going to be. Mm -hmm. And then in the wrong hands, that contract in the wrong hands of a person, I'm telling you, it tripped me out how, I mean, they took me in, they, they fed us. <laughs> I'm like, when a dealership start feeding you, right? Like, mm. I mean, it was just like, we got the red carpet and they really thought I was going to go over there and buy a G wagon and the most expensive car. And I said, no. And he's like, I, I salute you. I was like, no, me and my husband said, no, you're not. You're going to put him in this and he'll be all right. Yeah. So when do the uh, contract yeah. is official? 
Well, when they, usually when they sign a contract, there's a certain amount that's guaranteed. And so when you hear the report, it may tell you the overall worth of the contract, but only a certain amount is guaranteed. So you'll hear guaranteed signing bonus, that's guaranteed. And that's, right. that, that's a portion. But it may be five-year, let's just say five-year, $100 million quarterback money, $30 million is guaranteed. And so over the course of that five years, that will pay out the 30, 30 million, but everything else is based on performance and based on meeting the needs. So it's a lot of different things. I think in working with athletes who've retired, I've seen uh, both, some have done very well um, and some is very tough. Um, they're back home living with their parents. Um, and so you see both sides of it. And so from a, from a mental health perspective, um, I'm working on the front end of guys going into high school, excuse me, going into college, as well as guys who are coming out of professional careers and guys who didn't make it to the professional league. So that's really on three different fronts. And so really the part about what am I supposed to look like at this point or how am I supposed to be living? That's part of chiseling away at that artificial identity of what am I supposed to look like or what does status look like? And so that's that's part of the work that mental health providers, you know, you have to be prepared to do um, just because it's problematic for those who their identity is so uh, inculcated that they go into a deep depression when, you know, they get cut or they go into a deep depression when um, they have a career in the injury. Right. I think the other piece with regard to our college athletes now, though, is they've got cost of attendance money. Mm. You know, so at most major D one schools, they're getting mm -hmm. that cost of attendance money. So it might be three thousand, four thousand, five hundred, five thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And you know, the challenge is that you know, a lot of athletic departments aren't teaching our kids how to manage that money. Yeah. Um. You know, but I'll go back. You know, way back to like when our kids are really young. You know, you give a kid a dollar, and they want to spend it, and they'll do anything to spend that money. You're like, that money's burning a hole in your pocket. Yeah, you know, we we got to go way back and and yeah. look at some of those those opportunities to just teach our kids about saving. I mean, it is about investing, but it's all about saving. The other thing I'll right. say is I think that we do have some positive examples out there when we think right. about folks like Kawhi Leonard, who since he's been at San Diego since he was at San Diego State, he's been driving the same car. We've got other stories about athletes who are simply living <laughs> off the interest of their money. Mm -hmm. We got examples like KD. And investing in technology. So mm -hmm. I do believe, you know, on the strengths tip that we do have more examples out there of athletes doing the right thing with their money. Like Brad Doherty, he's co-owner of a NASCAR team, right. you know, and that's big. That's big money. You know, so what we need to do is begin to show those athletes or not show them, but reinforce these examples and let them know that, you know, it's possible and it's, it's, it's more than you know, uh, cars and chains and that mm. other, that other, what, what was that? Cars, chains, and sex. <laughs> Power. 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 So, oh, I'm sorry. That was just me. Is that oh, a party? Love that right. you, bro. So during this right. time, they, go ahead, Carissa. Yeah, just real quick, because think about it. I, like he said, Dr. said, when you, it's always going back. Because remember, we got to get them the latest Jordans. They got to have the latest clothes, Jabos. That's in our day. Uh, the latest Reeboks. You know, it's like they got to stay up with the trend, right? right, right. So just imagine 
when they look at the athletes in NFL now, what they're doing, chains and, you know, you, and like he said, it, there are so many positive people, um, athletes that's doing the right thing. And we just hoping that they can, you know, tune in to those guys instead of just the chains and, you know, the money and all of that good stuff. But yeah, it starts when we young, when they young, yeah. we, we got to get them everything they want. We don't let them work for it. Go go out in the yard and cut some yard and go work for it. Yeah. See? So, so yeah, I, mm -hmm. I agree totally mm -hmm. with you. But we don't want to admit that part. It starts, no, it starts. starts then. Right. It starts yeah. then. Oh, absolutely. So now during the COVID situation that we are in, what is the conversation we need to be having? What are the conversation parents need to be having with their young ones? You know, that are, let's start, let's start at seventh grade because that's when identity really starts to kick in. Yeah. You know, when you're done playing daddy ball, reality kicks seventh grade. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and when, when you was playing daddy ball, you was the man, you was the girl. Seventh grade come, it's like, wait, I'm on the bench. Wait, what's this? What happened? You know, and now, now they're going, wait, I don't like this game. You know, and, and they're trying to figure out, seventh grade is when you're really trying to figure out who you are. For instance, I have twins. Um, seventh grade, I made them play sports. And this is why. I said, I don't need you to be, um, I'm not asking you to be a professional. I know one of my sons wants to be a doctor. Um, he wants to be a scientist. Um, and the other one, he's still trying to figure it out, but I made them play for accountability and understanding discipline. Yep. And when I did, it's amazing how they shot up to like a 4.0 because they understood in order to play the sport, they had to keep their grades up mm -hmm. to the point that one of them actually was put in college prep classes. So, but these are the conversations I'm watching them figure out who they are and what they want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So when the COVID situation happened, it was just like, Okay, man, it, they, it was funny because they weren't really caught off guard because mm -hmm. one of them is always Googling and researching science. Yeah. Um, the other one, y'all need to pray for me. He went to that Xbox. I almost threw it out the window, y'all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So he's talking about, Mom, I'm going to be a gamer. And yeah. I, okay, I got mad until mm -hmm. we had a guest on our show and he told me how much gamers make. Right. But he had to help me understand technology. He was like, right. no, don't mm -hmm. discourage him. Help him learn like um, right. game graphics and programming. Right. So then I was like, okay, I get it. So what are the conversations that we need to start having with our children? Let's say start seventh grade, especially during this COVID and this change, because nothing will never be the same again. Mm -hmm. What are the conversations we need to have with them dealing with their identity and how to get over this? Brad, go for it, bro. Well, for, for me, I was a... I was a middle school counselor for five years. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've, I've dealt with that age group extensively, but you know, whether I, if I was still in the middle school setting or in the college setting, um, right now is having a, a routine, um, a daily routine is something that you're building towards every single day, you know, research, researching something every day, whether it's, you know, an interest or a different career, a different profession, you know, just spending, okay, I'm gonna spend X amount of time on this, X amount of time on this, because, you know, whether you're in middle school, high school, you know, college athlete, you, you spend so much time on somebody else's clock. Mm -hmm. Like like right now, you're not on anyone else's clock. So you have to Good. take time to build up your own schedule 
you know, get into your own routine um, and make sure, like you said, being accountable for that time. You know, this this is you, as adults, we we know we'll never get get this time to have everything slow down uh-huh. and you know be around family. So we want to make sure being intentional and taking advantage of this time to learn about ourselves, what we like, what we know we don't like, um, and, ju- and just make sure you you know you build your network. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm in, if I'm in seventh grade, like when whenever I decided that I wanted to get into this field. I sat, I sat at my desk and I researched, research, research. You know, Emmett was the first person I reached out to. Um, he hit me right back. And every single person that I reached out to, except for maybe one, you know, got back to me. So expanding, expanding your network, even in seventh, eighth grade. Like if there's, right. you know, if there's things you're interested in, you know, you'll be surprised the amount of uh, feedback you'll get from people um, if you have interest in that area. Yeah. So just just being intentional with that time um, and expanding your identity, expanding you know your you know adding more tools to your toolbox on a on a daily basis. I want to let me jump in real quick. I want to be respectful of the time. Also, uh, I've got a I've got one going to the seventh grade. Um, she likes Roblox. It's a game on the computer. Oh my god! Um, so <laughs> I challenge her to build the nicest house she can build on Roblox. Yes. Yeah. And I I I I I use that as a way to get her thinking about architectural design. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get her thinking about what do you like about this room? Um, how are you designing this? And I give her feedback, but I, I have an idea where it's going, where it's leading to. My 14 year old, he click, 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 you know, Xbox, Xbox. So what, what he does like to do is he likes to develop his own roster. So we begin to talk about player personnel. So what does it take to build a team? You know, what are you looking for in that trade? So I'm beginning to understand his idea and trying to help him shape around uh, human resources, the most important resources. So that gets me to slavery, right? right. So what we all know in, in our education, K through 12, you know, I went to DeSoto, I went to Skyline. We don't learn enough about our own history as African-Americans and descendants of enslaved Africans. Mm-hmm. We learn more from YouTube. So now, precocious seventh, seventh grader, guess what she gets to do? She gets to watch these YouTube clips wow. and learn more about her own history in this time mm-hmm. in American history than she would be nice. learning in class. So right. I'm turning this into a historical moment to That's improve good. her self-identity. I'm sending her pictures, not of Instagram thoughts, but of sisters with natural hair. So I want her to be able to appreciate her hair. So you have to be very intentional to be instructive in this online world that we may inherit in the future. Wow. wow. That was really good. I, I agree with that. Roblox, I, I agree. You know, they play Roblox all the time. Actually, yeah. I went to I was in school to to do drafting and design. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do architect until all the ITTs closed down and I kind of got bummed out. But yeah. you're right. You can use that as a as a tool and, and building and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the historical black colleges, mm. do you feel <laughs> that if a lot of majority of our star athletes that are African-American would attend one, do you feel that they would have been more prepared with dealing with their identity than it would be if they mm. do you understand what I'm saying? Because yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. because Emmett, oh, yeah. Emmett said something, he said it takes yeah. a it, it takes another black man to raise another black man, right? Right. right. So how do you feel the out the, the difference between the two, especially yeah. in this kind of situation? Yeah. Emmett, you they opened the door for you. I'll say a gift and a curse, but I'll come back on that in a minute. 
No, I, I, I think that, you know, that it's a great question. And, and we talk about that a lot because we talk about whether, you know, our star athletes should go to historically black colleges. And I believe they should. Um, as someone who went to an HBCU, someone who taught at HBCU, someone who worked in athletics at HBCU, you know, I definitely think that, you know, our black college athletes and athletes of color would have a great experience in terms of their identity development on a black college. Yeah. I mean, just the the history of it, just the tradition, whether you think about Howard or Hampton, you know, Bethune-Cookman or FAMU, you know, whether you think about Texas Southern or, 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 or some of our other HBCUs, just the historical context. And then you got people who are going to take care of you, you know, and that's really important because, you know, HBCU has a vested interest in your success. But I think the other piece, and this might seem a little bit off, but, you know, living at being an HBCU is hard. Being around your people is hard. And I think that our athletes need to learn how to navigate our own communities and the own stuff, our own stuff that we got going on before they go out there and try and navigate the larger community. Because if you can navigate your own community, your own black community, if you can get through all of the things that we have to deal with as a people, you can deal with that other stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that that's the thing, you know, that black colleges have to offer, you know, our, our star athletes. And I, I just really wish that some of these kids would really think about it, because the reality is with guaranteed games, you're going to be playing the PWIs anyway. You're going to play these schools anyway with COVID-19 and we're going to start restricting travel. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas Southern gets to play UT in a game of basketball or the University of Houston. So those opportunities are going to be there post COVID. You know, our kids just have to, you know, sort of step out, you know, and and and, and try at HBCU. It's a great experience. Okay. I I can say, you know, when my son was um, you know, trying to get a scholarship, even in my mindset, I was always looking for D1 and all the known schools. It's just, I don't know where I got it from, <laughs> but you wanted the, you wanted the best of the best. And you, we've put those schools in those particular categories. But then when he didn't get accepted and I went, he ended up going to Shaw University in North Carolina and I went to the HBCU and I didn't even know about North Carolina um, or HBC out out there and I was just like where did this school come from I only knew about Grambling and Southern you yeah. know but there's so many HBCUs and I'm just like wow I dropped the ball on that because if I had a known I would have been really pushing it I don't know where I got yeah. where my mindset came from on just not just dropping the ball on HBCU because I love it when Gremlin and Paraview play in the band, the atmosphere. I just love it. And mm -hmm. I'm like here trying to go to a predominantly white school where you only see about yeah. 1,000 out of the 50,000 of us in the crowd. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's a challenge when we're thinking about competition. And I said gift and a curse earlier. I went to FAMU. Um, and in t being in Tallahassee at that time, one of the things that really frustrated me was um, our school, our, our building locked at 10 o'clock p.m. But at Florida State, down the hill, open 24 hours. You still have those disparities 25 years later. Um, and so I'm hoping that there's a, you know, uptick in some of that, you know, with some more money coming into the institutions. But I told my son easily, you know, and my daughter, if I got to pay for it, you're going to family a prayer view. 
Um, but with that being said, I want them to be comfortable with who they are as individuals, but at the same time, be prepared for the world that they're going to enter, um, which unfortunately looks like it looks, um, where there's gonna be some bias and there's gonna be some racism and systematic uh, white supremacy. So we want them to be prepared before they leave the house, um, but you know, I have faith and comfort that an HBC would do a great job. And I think if we can continue to get quality athletics and, and get those games on television where the guys can see that, I think we're, we're heading in that direction. Hmm. You got anybody else? Well, for, for, for me, I, um, undergrad, I went to a PWI, uh, played football, and uh, my, my grad school, my master's program, I went to North Carolina Central. And, you know, playing playing ball, there were, there wasn't, you know, a, a, a me there. There wasn't a, a Keno there. I wasn't an Emmy there. You know, you go to a lot of these PWIs and you're playing. There's there's just not many people that if you're struggling or you have somebody, you want somebody, you need somebody to go talk to, it's not, it's not there. But you go to HBCU, you know, it's a, it's a village that you feel like you could connect with. Um, and even in my master's program, you know, there were there's still professors and, you know, others that I'm still in touch with to this day that I, you know, I can go, I can go talk to and confide in if I need to um, on a professional and, and a personal level. So uh, I feel like that's a, a, a big advantage um, in that regard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last question and we got to get on out of here. Um, character, how important is character when it's pertaining to athletes? I know, um, for instance, I'm really big on character building. Um, and I'm I'm truly thankful to God. Um, didn't know OU was watching my son for four years. So he received two honor awards, um, the Prentice Scout and the Don Key for his character on the field and off the field. And as African-American football players, you already have a stigma. You know, you're, one, you're black. Two, it's about women. Three, like you said, power, sex and, and, and drugs. Okay, that's that's just, it's for some reason, for some reason, it's just when you when you hear of an African American athlete, that's the things people go to. Mm -hmm. um, so I was determined to drill that in my son. This is not going to be your story. And so, with that being said, uh, when he received those awards, I was very honored mm -hmm. um, because even down to the interview and when he was at home, you know, in seventh grade, I would interview him. We sit at the table and I'd act like I got a mic. Yeah. And I put it in front of his face. And I said, if you start doing a duh, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to come through the, I'm, my hand's going to reach through the screen and I'm going to choke you right there on national TV. And then I'm going to come on back. He would laugh. <laughs> so I, I was preparing him in seventh grade when he said, this is what he wanted to do. Yeah. So during that time, his character, you know, all American through high school and then this and, and, and college, how important is it to prepare our children especially as African-American character wise, especially if they're going to, if they're not going to go to a, a historical black college, how important is it for our parent, for the parents to educate them and help them build their character? Great question. It's got something. Pass the mic to anybody. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think, no, go ahead, B. No, I, I think it's, one of the most important things, mm -hmm. um, if not the most important, uh, I've every yeah, especially as a, as a as a black man, I'm very cognizant of my uh, of who's watching. Uh, every time I step in the room, and you know, every word that I say uh, is 
And so it all represents my character. So I have to set a good example for all those individuals that, you know, I, I mentor, that I talk to, that I speak with. Um, and it's, it's all about my character. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm very aware of the position that I'm in because uh, I've, been, I've been in the minority in my professional ranks. You know, as a, as a school counselor, I was in the largest school, largest middle school in North Carolina. I was the only black male in that school for five years. Right. You know, wow. in my position now, I'm the only black male in a department of 30 people. So every single move that I make, I'm thinking about what I do. You know, I'm, I'm thinking once, thinking twice. I have to make mm -hmm. sure that, okay, Brad, um, I, I tell all my student athletes, you know, E plus R equals O. You know, you got the event, you got your response, you got your outcome. And so every single, every single event, I have to think about the outcome that I want, how I'm going to respond. Like if I don't like something that somebody says, how I'm going to respond. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's it's at the top of the list for me. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Yeah, I think you know, I think you know, character is important athletically because you know, you say you tell your teammates you're going to do certain things and you're going to be there for them and you know you're going to come through, and you should make those same pledges to your your mothers and your fathers, your brothers, your sisters, your sons, your daughters, and your aunts and the uncles. So we talk about transferable skills when it comes to character. But for me, you know, when I'm speaking to some student athletes and I see all these 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 um, Bible verses and, and, and quotes and whatnot on their arms and, you know, some of them I can ask what it means and some of them can explain to me the verse and others have no clue. And, you know, for me at this particular point in life, you know, I'm trying to let them know, you know, you, the promise isn't the promise that you make to your mother, your father, to Nike or that AD It's the God. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the person, you know, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, that you're going to have to answer to. And, you know, so for me, it's, it's, it's a lot about your faith, you know, mm -hmm. um, because you can sit here and have a lack of character you know, in different settings. But at the end of the day, you know, what does it say about your faith? And can you connect that faith to your character? And can that carry you through when people aren't looking? You know, right. because it's all about what you do when people aren't looking. Um, right. We live in this age of social media and instant gratification, you know, but at the end of the day, are you doing what you said you're going to do when the camera's off, when the lights are off, when nobody's around? That's right. And, um, you know, I don't that that that's what I want to talk to you about. You know, I want to talk to you. Can you tell me what that Bible verse means on that tattoo you got on your arm? If you can't, you need we come back next week and let's yeah. talk about it again, because my Bible's right there on my desk. And, um, you know, you know, that's my God for my character. Right. I like that. Yeah. 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 Being authentic is tough for a lot of folks coming guys coming out of uh, adolescence, being authentic, being able to find out who you are. That's a really tough issue. And so the challenge is to have the integrity to be accountable, not only to your family, to your last name and to your community. It takes a village, but we got to be able to build the village back up. So that's in this moment right now, where we're at in terms of some of the, the social strife, we've got to reaffirm who we are as a village and as a community. That's what's going to pour into the character. And that's deeper than just the parent, it was nuclear family or an extended family. So those are the things that, you know, Brother Emmett is talking about and Brother uh, Hambrick here. We're just talking about how do we instill those? And it's the community that's going to have to look within to find a way to instill that in these individuals. It's bigger than OU. 
you know? Yeah, it is. Speaking in Oak Cliff, but I'm a part of those places. Yeah. Um, but it started from my grandparents. And so I want to just kind of just echo that and, you know, talk about accountability and values. Those are the critical things for parents to be able to take away. You have, parenting is hard. You yeah. can't do it with a TV and YouTube and, and, and right. do it with a damn computer. I'm sorry. That's right. You can't. You so, can do it with a bat and a belt. Right. <laughs> you got to be present. No, I'm stop. Let me yeah, stop. Okay. I don't beat my kids, y'all. I'm playing. <laughs> I didn't knock them out a couple of times. So. Yeah. All uh, right. So, listen, you guys. What'd you say? They don't call a popo on you. I told them jokers when they were young. I want you. Because, see, you know, I you know, I always say, God, um, you gave me at the time because I'm, I'm remarried again. But so my previous marriage, I was like, God, you gave me. Four boys and one girl. Uh, Help me understand this conversation, you know? But I, I was tough, you know, and I, I wasn't afraid to deck them in the chest. You know, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. took them in a couple of times. And, mm -hmm. and but I understood because I, I was like, I'm right. I knew the challenge out there. Mm -hmm. And and so I asked, I actually had to ask God, show me how to raise them. Yeah. And and so my husband now I'm so thankful for, they call him Pops. Mm -hmm. It's like he kind of, he came in and he's like, listen, this is, this is what a man is. This is what you're going to do. Hard work yeah. is this. Good. I mean, he just, he Good. just was hammering and it's just been, it's been great for me. So, yeah. but listen, I want to thank you guys. This has been an awesome show before we leave. Can you, each one of you give something you would tell, if you could tell a parent right now during this COVID during, they have athletes, whether it's male or female, what would you tell them? I would tell them, be intentional about the time you spend with your children. And to be very honest with you, treat every day as, it's, if, it, as if it was your last day. Be wow. very intentional with the time you spend with your children, what you say to them, what you pour into them, because you never know. And that's where we're at right now. No day is promised. Yeah. Okay. Brad? I would say, uh, utilize your resources. Uh, if you're in middle school, high school, you know, have a connection with your with your counselors, right? People, people are intimidated or scared or feel like there's a, you know, a stigma attached to school counselors, mental health counselors. If you have access to those resources, utilize all your resources, you know, academics, you know, utilize tutors, you know, even if you're an a, a plus student, you know, you can never, mm -hmm. you know, get to the point where you're not learning. So utilize your resources in all settings. Okay. I'd probably say two things. I'd probably say, you know, we, we still have to let our kids be kids. You know, kids want to grow up so quickly, you know, and, and, and as parents, we can give them a lot of things to do. So I would say, you know, make be intentional about allowing kids to be kids. And the other thing that I would say is spend some time praying for somebody else. That's good. Whether it's your mother, your father, your grandmother, your grandfather, you know, somebody in need, you know, develop a prayer list and learn to, to pray for somebody else. Um, you know, because oftentimes, you know, um, you know, we want to change people, you know, but we can we can help change others through just praying for them and, and sending goodwill their way. So those are those are a couple of things that I would think about doing. Okay. Well, again, thank you guys for joining the yes. show. This has been thank really you. good. Um, yeah. I hope whoever's watching, you you got mm -hmm. some good nuggets and go back, watch it again, share it because yeah, this is yeah. vital. This is. It's not over, as you said. It's not over. This is almost. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Emmett. What you going to say? No, I just wanted to thank y'all. Oh, y'all you know, okay. have an incredible show. Great you know, you, you're very knowledgeable. You you put your work in in terms of your families and your sons and athletics. 
you know, and so what you're doing is, you know, I'm, I was just, I'm like, man, the intro to the show, I was over here grooving. I was right, like, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we wanted to, we wanted to do a show because you always watch ESPN, right? Yeah. And it's always yeah. about numbers, but there's mm -hmm. never something to help parents understand the reality. Mm -hmm. Everybody does not make the 1%. We yeah. got to start telling that. Yeah. Yeah. We won't say that. We need to be realistic. So on our show, it's like, look, Everybody doesn't make the 1%, but that's okay yeah. because there's other things, you know, there's, there's doctors, there's like you guys, you know, you're, um, you're in the, um, the social side of things and the mental side of things, you know, there's the trainers, there's the coach. And so we try to show them there's other entities to, to sports. And so we yeah. want to help with the recruiting and understand because a lot of parents don't even know how to recruit. They don't really understand how it goes. So our show is really about bringing a true awareness of what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm glad your son is the number one quarterback, but let's deal with the truth. Let's deal yeah. with some mental issues he might be dealing with, financial mm -hmm. issues he's dealing with. So, sure. you know, that's that's why we love our show. And and uh, yeah, we got crazy on it. You know, yeah. it's all good. It's all yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. good so time. this is your girl, Shannon. We will be back soon. Thursday, we have swimming. What I, yeah, I don't know how to swim. I don't know how to swim. I, you know, I took swimming lessons, but that was not the will of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and then my sons, I tried to put them in it. It really wasn't the will of the Lord. So Joka, the teacher told him, don't jump. So she got one twin over here. The other one jumped in the deep end. They trying to rush over there and get him. I said, nope, that's not the little Lord. Let me take him out of swimming. <laughs> so anyway, we have a swim coach coming Thursday. Uh, Sunday, we have a Sunday guest, but I am so excited about our Tuesday guest. We got Jay Ellis from Insecure on the show. Oh, and Paula Ellis, his mom, which is my sister. Oh. So, yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about Insecure. He played basketball and then he went into acting. He was not that good, y'all. Okay, I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing, Jay. I'm playing. But anyway, we will be back Thursday. You guys have a great day. This is your girl, Shannon, and I am here with my host. Hey, it's Karen. Okay, I'm working on them. Work on that. I'm going to work with y'all. I promise. I'm going to work with y'all. I promise. All right, we will be back. You guys have a great evening. Bye. Bye.